Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. There is a place where time stands still. Where nature is harsh and demanding. Where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. I want my land. All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, three correct answers, and you go through that doorway to the greatest little country in the world. Good morning. Good morning, it's Showreel Time with Annie and this is the last live Showreel for 2017. We'll be going to a couple of uh, programs, four programs of summer uh, delights. We're going to do some programs, go look look back over some best ofs because uh, there's been different uh, interviews and uh, other things that have taken my fancy and I'm going to reshare them with you guys over the summer period. But before we do, we've got an interview with someone who was part of a, a really cute documentary that's uh, coming out called Big in Japan. And uh, this is part of our attempt, as I said to David, it's part of our attempt to make Big in Japan big in Australia. So uh, let's kick off with our chat. We're talking to David Elliott-Jones, who uh, is... Perhaps you'd call the star of Big in Japan. How did the uh, project start? The project started with the three of us, Lachlan, Lewis and I, um, as uh, a production unit, uh, looking for a, a new and exciting project and having been thinking about this topic of fame and how it's evolving, uh, wanting to explore it in a unique way. Um, we had heard about foreigners who are pretty much unknown in their home countries becoming these massive names over in Japan and uh, seen clips of them participating on Japanese television. And at that point, we, was, we thought, what, wouldn't that be a fascinating way to explore uh, modern celebrity? Did uh, your two mates have a filmmaking background because they were ambitious in the filmmaking background, weren't they? They were ambitious about becoming filmmakers. Would that be right? Yeah, well, actually, the three of us. So before Big in Japan, we'd made a uh, broadcast documentary uh, for SBS, and um, that was really our, uh, I guess, what established things for us as a production unit. Um, And we were all looking to... uh, for our next biggest pro- project after that, so uh, so yeah, we were ambitious. We wanted to uh, we wanted to make a feature documentary. We weren't exactly sure what we were going to do before being in Japan, but once we uh, once we were inspired, we didn't turn back. 
Did you do training? I mean, when you say a production unit, that's a really neat and interesting way of describing yourselves. Uh, did uh, each of you have different skill bases that you wanted to contribute? Lewis and I studied journalism. Lachlan studied psychology. So I guess all of that comes into the fray a little bit um, with our approach to making docos. Uh, but having said that, um, none of us had a film background. Lewis and Lachlan had made a couple of short films together, um, more like hobby films, I guess. Um, but once we went into our first doco uh, and we had we, we collaborated with another production company to make um, Convenient Education, uh, which was a story about international students and the pathway to permanent residency in Australia, uh, once we went into that project and worked intensively for a year under the guidance of another production company, we came out with these defined roles. So I'm sort of the writer-producer, and uh, Lachlan is more of the director and overseer, the big-picture guy, and and uh, Lewis is more of the editor. And um, all and three of us are... Who's the camera person? So Lachlan and Lewis share the camera duties, yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. And uh, uh, because, you know, as I was watching this film, Big in Japan, which is uh, interesting on a whole lot of levels, I have to say, uh, I did Thank feel you. a bit sorry for you. <laughs> I was thinking, <laughs> how, how did you continue to be friends with those guys? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so the, the teasing um, bit, like the uh, them sort of egging me on and pushing me really hard is, um, is uh, definitely... Uh, dynamic that exists throughout the film. Um, we uh, are really good friends uh, off camera, but, the, you know, it's, it, it's um, they've always sort of, um, like, uh, we've always sort of made fun of each other, and especially uh, they've always loved um, filming me. So, um, yeah, I just, I just sort of, like, take it for what it is. I don't ever take... Um, <laughs> Internalize it. Uh, offense to it. It's just what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, you're a uh, tough. You're yeah. a tough critter. That's all I can say. Being yeah, um, yeah. What is Thank it? O- onigami man. Yeah, uh, onigiri man. So onigiri, onigiri man. Is, yeah. Yeah, onigiri is uh, is basically a rice uh, and seaweed snack uh, available in convenience stores in Japan. It's the Japanese equivalent on of of a sandwich. Uh, you can get you can get it pretty much everywhere you go. So my character was uh, onigiri man, um, and I wore this onigiri this rice ball headpiece um, and uh, practically nothing else. A, a loincloth. My internet. Yeah, a loincloth. Yes, a loincloth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a, a, a cute, a cute sort of ensemble. But really, what this is uh, keying into is trying to understand the psychology. You went out of your culture, and uh, it keys into a whole range of things because people do, Westerners do find J- Japanese cultural understandings quite peculiar. So we do get an insight into that, and I found that very interesting because you're really on the ground level. I mean, you 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 introduce us to uh, Japan in a more casual way than you the usual documentary. I'll have to say. Thank you, and you know that was through uh, I guess the uh, the opportunity of living there. Um, we we were all uh, English teachers 
over in Japan. We, uh, we, the three of us, along with our girlfriends, the so six of us actually, um, just jumped ship and started up in Tokyo, um, working as English teachers, doing the documentary uh, on the side as well. And I think, yeah, uh, we were lucky enough to experience a bit of what life is actually like over there, and I hope that comes across in the doco. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does come across. It's as I said, it's much more casual and much more. Uh, everybody's not refined uh, into the uh, general uh, Japanese look. You know, it's people on the street and stuff like that. It, it's it's really neat. I I really appreciated that. Uh, your exploration into fame was also interesting because which, of course, is the guts of the uh, project that you guys are involved in. What you're doing is is really fascinating because what you're doing is psychologically breaking down the notion of fame and what it yeah. is that keys people into the notions of fame. And, of course, we're in a dangerous period of history where people have stepped from reality into non-reality, really. That's mm. what it's about, isn't it? Yeah, that definitely. Yeah. Uh, so, for example, one of your subject matters, and this is one of the things that's really cute about this film, it doesn't just have you trying to become famous and uh, trying a variety of different methods of keying into the cultural uh, zeitgeist uh, in Japan. Yeah. You're actually, you go and investigate other people's success and that's really fascinating in itself because it tells you about the people, the psychology of the people who want to become famous. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So we have we have three subjects, and we follow uh, different foreigners at different stages of the fame journey. So um, the first person we meet in the doco is is uh, a six foot five, one hundred and sixty kilogram American fighter turned. TV personality who can't walk the streets in Japan because he's, he's such uh, uh, so well known. Um, but in his native Seattle, um, he's he's almost uh, just another person. Uh, he does have uh, a little bit of fame internationally through his uh, fighting, but but his fame in Japan is just phenomenal. And we also meet um, a guy called Rick, who's actually from Adelaide, and he's a cross-dressing, heavy metal singing J-pop idol. Um, and and uh, that's just, I mean, that's... Uh, oh, it's really, really out there. Yeah, it's pretty out there. Um, and we followed him sort of build the fame for himself um, through grassroots methods. And then we, we followed um, a girl from Canada called Kelsey Parnagoni, and uh, she's an aspiring J-pop idol who uh, basically makes these huge sacrifices to to achieve fame in Japan. Yeah, and and as you say, uh, each of the subjects had their own motivations and um, journeys associated with fame. And um, I think overall we have this, uh, I guess, exploration of of fame that involves. Uh, both perks and um, a pretty evident price as well, and the price isn't always the same price. But um, there's that that is definitely a consistent um, a consistency um, throughout all of the fame journeys. Oh, it's quite interesting that uh, you uh, are able to. Uh be a person who is trying to become famous using various methods. 
Uh, yeah. yeah. But uh, you've got a film where you can actually offload some of the uh, emotional ups and downs that uh, you incur in that process. I mean, you've got a different reason for why you're doing it. Uh, yeah, do you true. understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So I'm not, you know, I'm not actually as invested as the other three subjects in a, in a sense. Yeah, you could because, become a victim got the, of your own emotional state otherwise. Yeah. It's a bit scary, really. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it is. It is. Uh, and I'm lucky in the sense that um, what what I have at the end of it is a... Uh, is, is, is an endpoint I can exit out of that um, fame seeking and still have um, my um, emotional investment have led to something. If yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas um, the other three, um, they are very much entrenched in their fame journeys, and there is only one endpoint, and that is. Uh, Fame or not, mm. you know what I mean? Well, it's kind of interesting in a way too because it struck me that as the man who uh, has come to the end of his fame journey says uh, uh, $7 million is enough, you know, and actually being a performer in the past was all, always about making enough money to feed yourself, quite besides the uh, boost uh, to your emotional self. Yeah, um, it's it's interesting that in that same sentence he uh, said it was enough, but he also, um, I think actually probably just a few moments prior in the film, we, we, we hear him sort of uh, asserting his um, what he's achieved with his fame as well. So yeah, it's, it, yeah it, it's, it's not just about money, it's about the, um, the status of... of like achieving that fame and um, being remembered, I think, for, for Bob. Yeah, yeah, Bob being that. remembered. Yes, that's interesting. So yeah. that, in fact, that's what um, uh, Beard Girl said. Girl Beard? What was his name? Uh, Lady Beard. Lady, Lady Beard, Beard the, sorry. The Australian yeah. we have in the film. He was fantastic. Yes. Uh, he was quite incisive about what he was actually doing. Um, but he actually said that, yes. doesn't he? he? It's really important to him, a sense of his insecurity that he'll be blown away in the wind and won't have any existence at all. That's right. Yeah, he, was, uh, he completely opened up to us about uh, his reasons for doing it and his philosophy about fame. And that was that was uh, really special for us to uh, capture that. Um, I don't think many people would admit to the thing, the kinds of things that he admitted to. Um, but uh, I, yeah, the, one of one of the biggest things was uh, about being remembered, about having that stamp on, um, I guess, uh, life and culture, and and. Um, I, I I think maybe uh, whether we care to admit it or, or not, all of us like want our lives to have some sort of purpose. So so um, I think fame is maybe an extension of that, um, the, the yearning for fame. And um, yeah, it 
really interesting how fame um, and the the condition of like wanting fame is is actually quite uh, based on human things. I yes. think that like a lot a lot of us actually want to be liked. A lot of us um, want to be remembered or to have purpose in our lives. And you brought um, up that thing about being liked by strangers. Yeah, yeah. So during probably my peak fame moment, which I will not reveal in this conversation with you because I want people to watch the film, um, I was starting to get um, that uh, recognition in uh, a a context I could not have predicted. And, um, yeah, and I can't lie, like, it it was good to have people uh, laugh and... um, respond to you in such a positive way even though there were strangers and even though there wasn't that um it wasn't because of something um incredible that you had done just purely for that sort of um uh sake that you were uh just purely because you were the subject of uh eyeballs at the time the attention yeah it's fascinating You are invited to Sampari Exhibition, celebrating West Papuan culture. Sampari, a series of events supporting the West Papuan people's goal for self-determination. Art, discussion, spoken word performance, debate and Melanesian food and culture. Friday, 8th December at 6pm till Sunday, 17th December. ACU Gallery, 26 Brunswick Street, Fitzroy. Go to Sampari Exhibition Facebook or DFAIT West Papua website. Sampari, brought to you by Federal Republic of West Papua Women's Office, a 3CR supporter. to On Screen and find out more about what's on the big and the small screen each Saturday, 11am till 12 noon on 3CR. It's a program on film, on filmmakers and on film festivals. It's called On Screen, Mm, but it's on the radio, 3CR. And at the moment, you're on Showreel, where we look at Australian films and uh, the Australian film industry. And uh, just to remind you that uh, this is the last live Showreel for the year. We're going to go do some best ofs for the next four weeks. Uh, on screen, on Saturday, it's last program, and it's going to go through uh, a whole lot of different people's views about what were the best films for 2017. And... Uh, of course, Belinda would love to hear your opinion. You should ring in and tell us what it is that you that took your fancy over 2017. Uh, at the moment, we're going to go back to uh, listen to David, who was, like I said, the star of, if you could call it that, of uh, Big in Japan. Very interesting documentary, Australian documentary. He gives you an idea of how you can get to see the film at the end of the uh, chat. Let's go back to the way the film was made, because you were there for a long time. Uh, how, do you, how did you get the footage down to uh, feature size? Uh, 
That's pretty impressive. It was <laughs> it was a massive challenge, massive challenge. And um yeah, there was a few different stages. Um we uh we we initially uh looked at the trajectories of each of the uh subjects. So Kelsey, the aspiring idol, Bob Sapps and, and Lady Beard and and we looked at the key events that happened to them and in, in actual fact we probably could have made four documentaries yeah. because they were all really fascinating stories um but then we sort of asked ourselves the question what is the story that we're trying to tell and what why um what are we ex- exploring about fame and um that's where uh sort of I came in as the narrative glue and and we we were able to look at those moments that existed in those char- those character stories and see how they uh I guess lifted the overall thesis exploration of what is fame um why do we want it and what does it mean um so yeah it was a major process in summary like uh we we uh whittled down probably up to a thousand hours of footage to 95 minutes yeah it's pretty impressive and uh you're obviously still friends so that's pretty good too uh i have yeah, to <laughs> friends, yeah. and i'll have to uh congratulate you on the uh having done quite a lot of interviews uh you obviously yourself were able to create quite uh strong relationships with your interviewees that must be that your your skill base must have developed uh exponentially during this process oh thank you yeah uh i th- i think because we were able to spend a lot of time with the subjects um we were able to build up a lot of trust and um there was that and there was also uh the fact that we were able to uh review and reflect on the interviews that we did early on and to work on work on what um we could do to improve it so just having that length of time to shoot a documentary probably uh aided that yeah. so so yeah, did thanks, you did you uh, did you think oh um i've spoken to that person but now we've moved on i have to ask them that question again to get a different result is that the yeah, sort of thing you're right. saying yeah we reviewed our footage as we went along and yeah. um we we thought about what um what we needed and um you know uh a lot of uh, a lot of that was a real collaboration um and i think that was probably Lachlan's strengths um at the time of filming he was able to see this big picture and able to think about um you know uh where we needed to go with these subjects and um yeah uh whereas uh i guess with uh lewis during the production he was he was capturing he was uh, focused on capturing the making the most of situations and i was trying to work out um how to uh extract the best content um by engaging with the subjects so it was a real team effort yeah yeah so you didn't end up at the editing not having the footage you need needed to tell that story that part of that story that's right yep i mean there was always there were always uh choices that we could have made during um during uh the editing phase and, and when we were scripting the overall uh feature film but um we managed to have these poignant moments that um we we definitely had a few options like 
uh, to choose from. And yeah, that's that's probably because we uh, we had the length of time to create a diversity of content. Oh, that's really interesting. Where where's it going? It's being shown. It's got a theatrical release, hasn't it? That's right. Well, uh, we're doing we're, we're kind of releasing our film in a new sort of way. Um, it's uh, a cinema on demand release. Oh, yes. So what we're doing what we're doing is um, we're uh, doing a, a screenings tour in January and bringing Ladybeard back from Japan oh, on his wow. to his on his first ever Australia tour. Wow. So um, yeah, we're we're going from Melbourne to Sydney to Brisbane to Adelaide to Perth. Yeah. Uh, and we're doing six Q and A screenings and we're also running three Ladybeard live events. Oh, fantastic! Because he yeah. is just fantastic. Yeah, yeah. What a really clever is. piece of promotion. So you're, you're, you're men of the moment. Not only is it a fantastic and interesting way of making a film about a very interesting at the moment subject, but you're clever at uh, self-promotion. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Um, I also want to emphasise uh, that uh, anyone can actually watch it at their local cinema using our approach. Uh, we're... we're uh, Releasing our film via Fanforce, which oh, is yes. a cinema on demand platform. Yep. So, um, hosts of screenings, as long as they get enough friends together, um, the screening will go ahead. They just need to request the film via the Fanforce website, which is fan-force.com, and um, they can also get a cut of the box office. So, we're really relying on um, there being. Um, so, we're really relying on, um, I guess. Uh, the, the fans coming to our film and embracing it um, and uh, bringing, I guess, uh, developing that word of mouth uh, in order for us to have our film in the, in the cinemas. Um, we found as first-time feature makers, it's, uh, it's been a really liberating way to release a film in this way. Um, and... Uh, yeah, we're hoping that it leads to bigger things for the film as well. But we we wanted to start with this sort of uh, quite organic approach in which um, if there is a fan base for our film, um, then we can have a screening. Mm. So big in Japan can be big in Australia as well. Yeah, we definitely hope so. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for talking to me, David. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, so that's big in Japan. Keep your eyes out or even go to Fanforce to find out more about it. Uh, we're going to go out with a Ruby Hunter number, Let My Children Be. Uh, it, uh, I, I wanted to play it because uh, I went off last night to see a preview of uh, Warwick Thornton's latest feature, multi-award winning feature called Sweet Country. It's going to be released to cinemas in January. Uh, keep your eyes out, uh, did very well at the Venice Film Festival and at Toronto, uh, but very sobering, I'll have to say. But 
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.